Let us pray for illumination. Oh Lord, we know that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy came ever by human will, but by women and men moved by the Holy Spirit who spoke from you. Oh God, move us today as we hear your word read and proclaimed. Amen. Our scripture today is Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you at a time of distress. The mighty rush of waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. For Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm not sure whether I've ever told you the story about the little boy who'd never been to church before. And he went with his friend, and his friend said, don't worry, I'll tell you what to do. So when they came in, and, and it was time to start, and they sing the first hymn, the preacher went like that, and they said, that means stand up. And so they did. And when they got done, the preacher went like that, and they said, that means sit down. And so they did. And when they bowed and prayed. He said, that means do that. And it kind of came for the sermon. The preacher made a big show of doing this, taking off his watch and laying it on the pulpit. And the little boy who'd never been to church before said, what's that mean? And you know what he said? Not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the season of Lent. The color of the pyramids 
has changed purple for this season. Lent is a season of discipline that's kind of gotten a bad reputation. If you look it up, Webster will tell you it's a period of 40 days before Easter during which many Christians do not eat certain foods or do certain pleasurable activities as a way of remembering the suffering of Jesus. It's seen as a dreary time of self-denial so that the best parts, as far as most people are concerned, are one, when it's over, in fact, that's, a lot of people wouldn't eat eggs during that time and the monks would not eat eggs and so part of what they would do is on Easter they got to eat eggs and they would decorate those eggs and that's what I understand is the origin of Easter eggs being decorated. It was to celebrate when they could again eat eggs. And maybe if you saw on Ash Wednesday this last week a uh, picture of, of little boys out in front of the, the church flipping pancakes or crepes because uh, it was also called a pancake day, the last day you could eat them. They would not eat those during Lent. Well, the other thing was the day, like I say, the best part was the day it was over and the day before, which has some special names. One of them is called Fat Tuesday. Or if you, if you prefer the Cajun French version, New Orleans style, Mardi Gras. It's also called Shrove Tuesday. Now Shrove was not a word I knew. I had to look it up. It's the past tense of shrive. Well, you could have guessed that mess, maybe. But shrive means to free from guilt or to confess. And as I mentioned, it's also called Pancake Day because that was the last day you were supposed to be able to eat eggs and fat before fasting for Lent. Those traditions have a common theme. Enjoy being bad while you can. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of folks that make the most of that. But... The Psalm 32 version we just read does not say, happy are those who eat, drink, and partay, <laughs> or even laissez-les-bontons rouler, as they say in New Orleans. <laughs> but happy are those who are forgiven. The psalmist gives a kind of a before and after picture. The third verse said, while I kept my silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. The after picture, the after picture is simple, happy. Psalm 32 is one of the seven so-called penitential psalms. The, the Hebrews in, the, in the, those days, they didn't call those penitential psalms because confessing and being forgiven was a routine part of their life. But since, in years since, we've come to name these seven, including the one that Johnny read, as penitential psalms. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that these repentant psalms lead us into the total depth 
of the recognition of sin before God. They lead us into the confession of guilt and direct our complete confidence to, to the forgiving grace of God. Now, there's a scholar who on the Old Testament who's a professor was a professor at the seminary that I went to when I was uh, first three years of my when I was the first three years of my life. Walter Brueggemann. He says Psalm 32 isn't so much about penitence, but an affirmation about the miracle of God's forgiveness. And he quotes part of a conversation between a king and a prophet from 2 Samuel to show just how simple it is. King David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, now the Lord has put away your sin. The message of Psalm 32 is easy to summarize. Guilt is miserable. Confession brings forgiveness. Forgiveness brings joy. So thank God and be glad in the Lord. Rejoice and sing for joy. You may have noticed I read shout earlier, shout for joy, but some of the, the NIV and some of the other translations say sing for joy. They amount to the same thing. Well, all that's not too complicated. The choices are misery or joy. Well, if that's my multiple choice test, I know which one I'm picking, don't you? Choose joy. So why don't we? I think the answer is simply that we are addicted to something that most of us would rather practice than talk about. Sin. Now, the catechism that a lot of us learned as children says sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And I guarantee you when I memorized that as a child, I didn't know what any of that meant. So in more modern terms, you could say sin is doing something wrong or failing to do something right. Goes back to your definition of success and failure, right? <laughs> Let me suggest another view, though. Sin is anything that gets in the way of us having a right relationship with God or with each other. And as, well, as for being addicted to sin, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do, I do not do the thing I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. So if I do not do what I want. It is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. Or like I said, we're addicted. <laughs> if you're familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous or any of the other 12-step groups, you know that the first step in dealing with addiction, first thing to do is to admit our powerlessness. And the second is to acknowledge a power that's greater than ourselves. And the third is to decide to turn over our wills and our lives to the care of God. The fourth is to make a searching, fearless inventory of ourselves. Be honest with ourselves. And fifth, to admit to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
Well, there's seven of the steps. I'll let you look them up. You can Google them. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the last one is share the good news, right? That's the last one, spread the word. Any recovering al addict or alcoholic or addict of any other kind will tell you one hard truth. You never get to be a former addict. You never get to be, we never get to be former sinners. We just keep doing the things that separate us from God and from each other. So we're in constant need of confession and forgiveness. And that's part of the reason our church service starts each week with that prayer of confession together. Because every one of us needs to confess. And every one of us needs to hear that good news of God's forgiveness. Traditionally, people have given up something for Lent. I remember one time as a smart aleck teenager, I said, I'm going to give up sacrifice for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> and I know lots of people that say, well, I'm going to give up chocolate. Though I, I really don't see how giving up something that's good for me to give up is really relating to that discipline. It is a good idea. It is a good idea to, to, to discipline ourselves in that way. There's a, a bestseller book called The Power of Habit. And uh, part of the point of that whole book is that if you say, okay, I'm going to give up something for a while, 30 days, or hey, for let be 40 days, right? I'm going to give up something for a while that many times you can establish a new habit. Now, uh, Dr. McLeod, the preacher who was here for the installation service, he suggested that uh, he likes to think of it as a discipline, and he, he goes through the church directory with pictures, and, and during Lent, he prays for everyone in the church. So it's a good idea to make sure your picture's in the directory, I guess. <laughs> but he prays for everyone in the church during Lent. I've known of churches, uh, Betty's Mother's Baptist Church gave out CDs of the Bible, and they made a commitment, their church did, that they would read all the way through the Bible during Lent. Well, that's a lot of reading. Can, it can be done, though. But, so it's a good idea to say, okay, I'm going to establish some new habit. I'm going I'm to buy into some discipline that helps me become a, uh, a better person. Or, for example, I'm going to pray for somebody I don't agree with, I don't like, every day. I heard a preacher talk about how uh, one of his congregants had gone off and joined the Episcopal Church, and they said, you know, I don't like all those prayers. Or they make you pray, all this and that and the other. He said, well, it's a good discipline because, you know, we need to pray for people we would not want to pray for. The day, the Sunday before 9-11, our family was visiting one of those Anglican churches where they did exactly that, praying for the president and the governor and the mayor, each by their first name. So sometimes we do need those disciplines that say, okay, I can become a better disciple by following 
some discipline, not some made-up thing to punish yourself, but something that you say, this is something I need to do to do better. Well, Lent is not about picking something you can do without till Easter. Let Lent be less about denial, more about discipline. Psalm 32 tells us that confessing and being forgiven are difficult, but rewarding disciplines. And if you're really ready for the advanced course, try forgiving somebody else, <laughs> especially someone who doesn't deserve it. You may have seen, I posted a video on my Facebook page last week of uh, some research saying, you know, it's good to forgive other people even if they don't know you've done it. And they had people write out what they were angry about with someone and write out how they felt about it and write out how they were going to try to forgive them. And then they said, would you share that with us and read it out loud? Well, folks said, well, sure. And then they brought in a mirror and said, look at the mirror as you do that so that Talking to yourself, you might as well see yourself too, right? And the surprising thing is people felt better. Even though they had not talked to the person they were angry at or hurt with, it made them feel better to forgive that other person, to find forgiveness in their heart. Well, confessing and being forgiven or what the writer of Psalm 32 did and found happiness that enabled him to be glad in the Lord and rejoice and sing for joy. So with thanksgiving for God's forgiveness, let us together stand and sing. Hymn number 410, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, you upright in heart. Now may the wisdom of God, the love of Christ, and the peace of the Holy Spirit shine brightly in your life, this day and always.